0: Well, I bring you greetings from the the men's retreat. I was there, left last night before the guys are still there. And I can tell you, I'm telling you, God is doing deep things in hearts, discipling our men. We're talking about what does it look like to actually be a man according to Jesus And, and throwing that up against culture and letting God tear down our idols and just some deep, powerful, powerful things going on. Um, and so they're they're One of them took a picture. They're out on the top of a bluff worshiping right now and they just sent it to me. So, Lord, continue to touch our guys that are out there in Jesus name. I'm going to continue. If you're new to believers, this is we've been doing a series about what is church and just sampling from the book of Philippians. Um, some ideas we see here. And today, what I'm going to do is just focus. Paul prays a very specific prayer. For the Philippian Church, and I'm going to look at a portion of that and see what we can learn from it. And to kind of intro this, that, you know, as we know, church is people, right? It's not a building. Church is people. Um, anytime you say the church, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are speaking of yourself. The church, right? You know, because I find it's easy at times to say, talk about the church in, in some oftentimes in a mildly critical way or really critical way, and you guys remember the church is always you, <laughs> okay, so, and the church is people, and the church is relationships with these people, by the way, okay, you following me, so far, okay, so it's people and relationships with people, so that's, so that's, that's, that's what church is, and so here's some questions, has anybody noticed that relating to people can be confusing? or or how about this has anyone ever said or done something you thought would help a relationship but it turned out very differently than you expected I I am like I like literally have a spiritual gift of awkwardness that like so often I just feel sweat start right here in the conversation like wow this is happening I just said that you know Um, it's a real thing right or has anyone simply just not known what to do in a relationship? You're like, I just don't know where to go from here. Um, by the way, if you've never not known what to do, you're probably not paying attention. Because <laughs> we people, man, we're, we're, it's, it's confusing sometimes. Well, if any of these things can relate to you, I think today will help. All right? So uh, we're going to just read Paul's prayer and just make a few comments about it and hopefully then take action so jesus you preserved these words for two thousand years you said that your word would endure and it it endured the roman government rise and fell and all these other government all these things that were massive and people thought would never end but they did but your words are here and so lord that means to me that you have something to say to us you know how to live, you're smarter than we are, so will you help us, Holy Spirit, to hear what you're saying and then put it into practice, in Jesus' name, amen. So I'll read this. Paul's praying, is the front of the the letter, he's talked to the Philippians about how much he loves them, that he's carrying them in their heart, and the sentence right before this is so beautiful, he says, I have, I, I feel, I long for you with the affection of Jesus. And out of that affection, he prays this prayer. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I'm going to focus really just on this first part of this prayer and, and just dive in it for a second to see what we can learn and then, yeah, again, hopefully put it into practice. He says, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. It is so important that we define the word love in terms of the way Paul's talking about it, right? Because love is a very ambiguous word. Have you noticed this? You know, again, you can say, I love my wife. I love cookies, What's the difference? Is there a difference? Craig's "I, I don't know. You tell us. I really like cookies, man. Well, if we look at Paul, says, husbands, give your wives as Christ gave his life for the church. Would you give your life for cookies? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe some of us are, you know, but... We've got to define love. And so Paul actually does that for us right in this letter. A few sentences later, he says in Philippians chapter 2, the first 11 verses. Therefore, if you have any... And John Free preached on this a couple weeks ago. Paul says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love. Oh, okay. Any comfort from Jesus' love. So we're going to start referring to this. It sounds like Paul's going to mention it. If any common sharing in the Spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love. Okay, what's that love like? Being in one spirit of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Okay, so I guess that love has something to do with that. Then he goes on, "In, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Starting to give a little more definition to what he means by this love he wants them to have for one another. In relationships with one another, had the same mindset as Jesus. Oh, Jesus is a clue to what this love is. What is Jesus? He's in very nature God. Didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He's the most powerful that exists and won't leverage it to get what he wants. And apparently that's what love looks like. He made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant. Okay, I guess that's what love looks like. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the Father to death, even death on a cross, and therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now it just so happens that a few years before Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, a city not all that far away. And he gave a very specific definition of what love is. Many of us, if you've been to a wedding, have probably heard this. And it goes something like this. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And what's so fascinating is, if we throw up what we just read, Philippians two against this very thing, we can see Paul's consistent definition. I'm not going to go in detail, but he says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Can we see that up there at all? Yeah, maybe that doesn't envy or boast, isn't proud, doesn't dishonor others. About inhumi- in humility, value others above yourselves." Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. I see that in Paul's definition here, right? Not self-seeking. I'm sure you can see some. Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Again, not self-seeking, not trying to get his own way. Hmm. Keeping records of wrongs. Have you ever, well, I'm not going to ask you if you've ever done that. I've done that. And leverage that to get what I want. In fact, that's a really good technique if you're really going to get you right? Remind people how they failed you. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself through obedience. We can see all this baked into the very same thing. And these slides will be on, online uh, if you want to look at this and just contemplate the two of those. But here's what's the point of me showing you both of these. There is a specific definition of love that Paul has in mind when he's praying that our love would abound more and more is a very specific definition. He's not saying, be nice, right? Because sometimes being nice isn't very loving. Go to Illuminated Soul. We'll tell you you all about that, right? But Paul has a very specific definition of love. So keep that in mind. And this is something most of us are familiar with-ish, but it wouldn't hurt us to keep on looking at this to know what he means. Okay, so this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. He wants our love. He's asking God that the Philippians' love would abound more and more. So more and more of this love, that's all the things we just read, but that we would love in knowledge in depth of insight. I love how the message translation puts this. Eugene Peterson captures it really well. He says, learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent. Not sentimental gush. That's, that's really helpful, isn't it? Love that's sincere and intelligent, not just a gushy emotion. I gotta tell you, it is a relief to me that love is not an emotion. Has anyone found it challenging to, on command, get the emotions you want for other people? <laughs> like, okay, I was at the men's retreat. Somebody was getting up way before me, and they were loud, man. I did not have loving emotions that just popped into my soul. I was like, I, I'm embarrassed of the emotions I had, but they were coming right out of sleep. My love was not abounding more and more. But Apparently, if we're looking at Paul's definition of love... I didn't see one word that had to do with emotions being the motive behind love. Did you notice that? They're all very, very action-based of things we do. A posture, if you will, of not envying. But I feel envy. Yeah, just, just don't take any stuff. Okay, so this should be encouraging, hopefully, to all of you. So this is what it looks like to love intelligently. What does he mean? Here it is. Isn't this cool? He's giving us everything we need to know here. How do you love intelligently? We love like this. And here's the payoff. He's praying that we love more and more, knowledge and depth of insight, The very definition of what it looks like, these actions that aren't just an emotion, but look like these things in 1 Corinthians 13 and Philippians 2, so that you may be able to discern what is best. That phrase, so that, is so important. We need to be able to love more and more sincerely and intelligently, so that we'll be able to discern what is best. What does that mean? Well, church is people. Church is relationships with these people. And church can be, relationships can be confusing, unexpected, and you not know what to do. We just all agreed to that, right? So, he's saying this. The, the ability to discern what is best means we have to love to know. Another way of saying it is this. To know what to do in our relationships, we have to make love the goal. But sincere, intelligent, Jesus-shaped love. It's really important we get that clear. This is a hyper-simple sermon, because I'm pretty much almost done. Which, everyone's thrilled, I know. But this, I'm shocked at the level of spiritual warfare I've experienced this morning, like... Oh, that's right. If we do this, the world will know that Jesus is the Son of God. This is a really big deal. See, but love is to be sincere and intelligent, jesus shape. It doesn't mean be nice to people when you greet them on Sunday morning. It means know what it looks like to actually love. Know what that shape Looks like. And make that your goal in every relationship you're engaging with. This is really crazy. Like, here's some ways, like, how does this actually work out? Here's some examples. One is, have you noticed that we have a different perspective on people that we love? That we have. In other words, that Jesus-shaped love that's not, I'm not trying to get from you what I want. I'm trying to lay my life down in such a way that life is going to be better for you. The best illustration I could think of is Luke 15, where Jesus tells a story of a son who says, Dad, give me the inheritance as if you're dead. I wish you were dead. Let me take it. And then he goes and blows it. He blows all that the dad had worked for, for generations. And he doesn't realize what a mess he's making of his father, his family, the family's reputation, and himself till he has nothing left. And says, Maybe if I go back home, they'll let me be a servant. But Jesus shaped love looks like this that failure of a son, the son who failed the launch, who doesn't even know what he's doing to the rest of his family, comes home and the father goes running after him, hugs him, clothes him, and reinstates him and throws him a party. Love gives us a different perspective on people, doesn't it? If you're like me, I would have been like, well, at least wait a day and let him wonder what I think. <laughs> let him sweat a little bit. That's not what love does. The Jesus, the sincere, intelligent, Jesus-shaped love. Another thing is, we often choose different strategies when love, rather than fill in the blank, is our goal. Like, and if, rather than when my reputation is the goal. Let me give you an example This happened this week. I got invited um, with a group of pastors to meet with uh, the mayor of Tulsa and his team to talk about homelessness in the in the city and it was really amazing by the way and beautiful but as i'm going there so Roger Nix was the lead pastor for like 55 years here and 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 he he knows everybody in the city and Roger just saunters in peacefully to everything like there's never really a problem in Roger's world you know it's just And I'm like, I'm going there, it's just like shaking and insecurity, right? You know, because there's all these pastors in much bigger churches and whatever. And I'm just insecure in general. But ironically, I was writing this sermon. And it occurred to me as I was driving to this meeting, what if I walked in there trying to make sure nobody felt out of place? What if I walked into this meeting and said, I don't know who you are. And I don't really care if you like me or not. I'm just going to love you and make sure you feel okay. And I'm telling you, my strategy of going to this meeting was completely different. Because it went from my reputation to just, I'm going to just love these guys. It turned out to be so easy and awesome that we're all scared and insecure. Everybody in there was. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Love changes our strategy if the win is your goal. i got to win this. Okay. Is that what Jesus' love looks like? Oh my goodness. Everyone thought Jesus was nothing but a failure. He died at the hands of people who weren't as strong as him. We choose different strategies, and here's a crazy thought, and this is a good warning. It seems that conversely, Paul might be saying, We can't know what is best to do when love is not our goal. Think about that for a second. That we may not actually know the right thing to do when our goal is not clearly to love in the sincere, intelligent, Jesus-shaped love the other person. I I love what Craig was saying about the automatic response. How many automatic responses do we act in that we are kind of just on autopilot, right? How many of you have been, made it home from work and you don't even remember when you started your car? And you're just there and you're like, Wow. That's unfortunate. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. How many of you got in your car and drove to work, and that's not where you were supposed to go? (laughs) Right? That's that's what Craig's talking about. That's what happens. And that's what we get built into us through our families of origin, through our experiences. I've noticed a lot of times I hide my heart from other people because I've been hurt. It It was painful to be vulnerable and loving. But Paul's saying, I'm praying that your love would abound more and more in all knowledge and depth of insight. In other words, this Jesus-shaped, clearly articulated love so that you'll know what to do in your relationships. So, love to know. That's the whole sermon. To know what to do in our relationships Make love the goal. I'm telling you, I've tried to practice this this week, and it has genuinely changed strategies. And when I haven't, it didn't go so hot. There's repentance involved. <laughs> All right, so how do we actually do this? Sounds so easy. Paul says, if you've received the comfort of Jesus' love. This is why I shared Josh's uh, dream He's like, do you think this fits? I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so cool how God affirms this. He didn't know what I was preaching. Plus, if he did, he still didn't fabricate a dream. (laughs) You know? In July, nonetheless. Receive the comfort, the healing comfort of Jesus' love. God is never asking us something to do, to do something that he's not going to give us and equip us for. He knows who we are. I was driving to work today, and I was thinking about how complex my inner world sometimes is and the thought just popped into my head is I am not confusing to God he's in fact I'm probably a pretty simple problem to work out and that was such a comfort that I'm not confusing to God he knows me better than I know me yay receive the comfort of Jesus love do you know that Jesus isn't Jesus greets you like like the father of the prodigal. He is not standing over our shoulder just saying, not enough. You could have done it better. He's not. How do I know? Because he said so. I, I, I think it makes more sense to say things like that. Right? I'm screwed up a lot. But he still is just loving me and loving me and loving me and loving me into transformed guile. Receive the comfort of his love. That in itself is a whole lifetime of work right there. To just let God love us. That's why we got to look at the scriptures. We've got to remind ourselves: what does this look like? It looks like that all that love in Philippians 2 was directed at us. Of Jesus humiliating himself because he had to have me. He had to have me. So he went to all those lengths. The love I'm longing for and thought, I thought romance would do it, didn't. My wife's not disappointed by that statement, trust me. She's like, you know, drop your expectations, gal. <laughs> the love I'm looking for is for Jesus himself. And then Paul has already given us a prayer to pray. Just pray this prayer. God, will you help my love to abound more and more? ...in knowledge and depth of insight... ...so that I'll be able to discern what is best. I don't know what to do in this relationship. I'm really ticked at this person. This person has done me really wrong. Lord, will you help me? Will you give me the comfort of your love... ...and cause this love to abound more and more in me... ...in knowledge and depth of insight. Sincere and intelligent. God isn't asking you to fabricate emotions... That stinks. It doesn't work. What he's asking you to do is open your heart, open my heart to him, that his love would transform us in such a way to realize what a beggar and debtor I am to him, as is everybody else. And so I'll offer the same forgiveness and love and show me how to do that intelligently, Lord. In some of our cases, it's not even ever to mention the wrong that was done. How do I know? Just look at how Jesus does his thing. Is it going to be an advantage to this person? It won't, I, I don't know. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Sincere, intelligent, Jesus-shaped love. And so here's something we can do to practice. Think of a relationship that has tension or confusion in it. And I mean in your life, not mine. I could tell you some, but, you know, that wouldn't help. If love were my goal, how would my perspective or strategy change? So we're just going to jump into prayer right now. It usually doesn't take very long. So Holy Spirit, will you help us right now? We want to respond right now and put into practice what you've given us. Knowing that you know the best way to live. You know how that we can live awake and alive. In the shape of what we were created for. So Lord, will you show us? Is there anywhere we could change our strategy or perspective if love were the goal? Now here's what I want to challenge you to do right now. And if nothing came to mind, then great. That's awesome. But if something did come to mind, I want you to think strategy right now. Maybe your strategy is okay. I gotta go look at that scripture again, <laughs> First Corinthians thirteen or Philippians two. I I gotta I gotta have, have a little help, or maybe maybe you need to make a phone call this afternoon. And just let's get it over with, man. Let's get that off our plates. Walk into joy. All right, let's stand together. We'll have these slides online. Uh, it's usually if you just go to the uh, YouTube, that's where it's it's at. It's in there in the notes. In the description. Okay. Lord, will you help us? Lord, we want to feel your love. We want to know your love. And we want to act in your love. Lord, I believe this is this is at the very center. You're very you yourself are love. Father, Son, and Spirit. This is the motivating force in God himself. So Lord, we want to be near you and like you. You give us the help that we need to receive your love. And Lord, would you cause our love to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we'll know what is best. Through Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. If anybody wants a prayer, come on up. We'll pray for you. Love you. Have a great week.